This is No Being Spandex, episode 135, for Sunday, September 18th, 2011. everyone, Lisa J here with another episode of No Pink Spandex. And before we get to the interview with Latham Gaines, I have an announcement. If you have not read, No Pink Spandex Live is back. That's right. We are coming back next year, right here in New York City, April 27th to the 28th. So not just one day, two days. All right. And I'm really excited to announce this to you guys because we had such a great time last time. And David Yost, who was our guest last time, was so awesome. And we all had a great time that I was like, I have to do it again. And we have to pull this off again because, look, I mean, how many times are you going to be like, oh, my goodness, I went to New York City and I met a ranger. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. So we want that <laughs> to happen bigger, better, and all this stuff, but not too big, because it's still going to be intimate, still going to be, you know, still going to be small, whatever, intimate, but we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we have enough room, because we were, we were kind of packed in there in our last venue, it was kind of packed, so I'm looking at a bigger space, we're looking at a couple areas and stuff, and so as soon as I confirm things, you guys will be the first to know, all right, so that, let me say that again, let me give you the dates again, April 27th, 28th, 2012, New York City, No Pink Spandex Live. More information coming very soon. Okay? Alright, so let's get to the interview and stay away from spandex. It doesn't breathe. Bye. With us, we have a very special guest. Ah, he don't need an intro because he's too awesome. Alright, so here you have Latham Gaines. Uh also known as Mesagog from Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Hey, Lethal. Hello, hello, how are you? Very good, very good. Good. Um, uh, the other guys can say hey, too. <laughs> hey. I thought that intro was for me. I love you instructors to say hey. You have permission to speak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how I roll, all right? moment. So. <laughs> See how it is. Oh, goodness. So I'll start off with... Um, how did you get into acting, and um, what what drew you to it? Well, I started when I was quite young. I mean, I think I, I did, you know, some musical theater. I did plays when I was sort of 12 and throughout my teenage years. And then I actually went to NYU and studied acting at NYU and did some there. But um, I wasn't really sort of in love with it. Then. I didn't actually think that was my deal. It wasn't until I moved to New Zealand uh, in 95 that I started working on uh, Hercules and Xena. Uh, that I sort of got back into it. You know, that was really... So I had trained uh, when I was younger to be an actor, but sort of wasn't really feeling it. And then when I moved to New Zealand, there was a lot going on, and there were a lot of cool sort of fantasy shows, and uh, that's really when I started working quite regularly on those shows. Uh, and that's really how I got into it. So if you weren't into acting then, what were you into I was, um, while you were setting it? I was actually a, uh, a professional snowboarder, believe it or not. Oh, wow. I, uh, I moved to Jackson Hole. I, was, I started snowboarding quite early. My brother went to uh, Stratton Mountain Academy, and he came back with, like, the first Burton snowboard. This, like, wooden, scrappy uh, snowboard, or woody, they called it. And my brother and I started doing this, and we just absolutely fell in love with it. And so I just dropped everything. I was like, this is my deal. This is the coolest thing. You know, I grew up skiing. I grew up in New Hampshire, so I was sort of, you know, already on the mountain. And this reinvigorated that whole love of, of the snow, for both of us. And 
I, I went to visit my sister who was living in Jackson Hole uh, a couple years later, and I'm like, this is the place. This is my deal. Uh, and I moved out there. So I started teaching at Jackson, and then I got sponsored by, you know, Ride and a couple of other companies and started taking pictures and just, you know, that was my deal for sort of 15 years. That was really all I did. And in fact, I came to New Zealand originally uh, working as a snowboard instructor further south uh, and actually did <laughs> this hilarious, cheesy, I'd love to see it if I could ever find it, this cheesy ice cream commercial where I was snowboarding in this commercial. <laughs> and, this la- and this lady from Auckland was there, you know, who was producing the thing and said, you know, look, you have a good look. And if you ever come up to Auckland, you know, there's a lot going on. And so the next year I did. And, you know, like two weeks later, I'm on Xena, like as a featured extra, just going, oh, this is cool. And, you know, so the snowboarding kind of, the snowboarding really got me to New Zealand. Uh, and that got me uh, onto Hercules and Xena and eventually onto Power Rangers. So. And what was Xena like? I mean, that was fa- I mean, the show. The, I was, I mean, oh, I mean, it was fabulous. It was it was fabulous. It's really actor's dream come true because you got the whole fantasy thing. It's massive. You know, you got these costumes. You walk onto a set that's built that's like a, you know, I mean, if you've seen the show, like a castle with like some market in front with like pigs hanging and, you know, like wine <laughs> goblets and like you get a sword and, you know, these dudes are going to come in and swing at you. So, you know, you swing at him and then you get stabbed, you know, and then you fall in the hay and, you know, go, you know. So it, it was it was amazing. It was um not realistic and it was an interesting training ground you know what when i look back for the power rangers thing and i think i wrote this it was great training for that it was my training really for television work was really because of hercules and xena entirely sort of fantasy based and i had played a lot of bad guys you know i'd played some hercules and xena bad guys and they were sort of average but i knew i knew how it should be done and i knew how it shouldn't be done probably more importantly so i think that helped with with mezagog too when i you know, had the audition uh, for the part. And I remember thinking, this has got to, this can't be something I've seen a million times. And I remember saying to Doug at the time, I will not do an evil laugh. I'm not going to do a lot of the things I've seen done. And I'm not going to do a lot of the things that I used to do. Um, so it was great training like that. If I had been, say, just theater guy or just realistic actor guy, I think maybe either A, the part wouldn't have appealed to me, or B, I'm just would have been more standard or something so it was an interesting Mm -hmm. training to go into the power rangers with i felt like that was my genre and i knew how to do it so what else did you tell doug that you weren't going to do (laughs) uh that's a good question you know that was the only thing doug is a very cool guy i mean he's one of the best producers that i've ever worked with he was young he really cared about the series he cared about all the characters and we spent a fair amount of time just kind of which you don't normally get to do sort of sitting down and having a beer and saying, you know, what are we going to do and what do you want to do? And he, we had mad respect for each other um, and he really let me do what I wanted to do as far as creating the character. And I think I wrote this too on, on the board the other day that um, he wanted to see what I wanted to do. They didn't, uh, he cared and he cared enough to say, you know, you, you, you figure this out and you see what you're going to do. And uh, that was the that was the only thing, though, to answer your question. I told him I wasn't going to do was to not do an evil laugh, and it was in there. Believe me, it's in the script. And we have different directors coming through on the show. You know, you get different directors all the time, and some of them would say, "Well, I don't know." So Mezogog sits here, and then Elsa says something, and then uh, you know, you do this laugh, and they would often be in the script. I'd say, you know, I'm not doing that laugh. I'll do anything else, but I'm going to do the opposite of that. She says something, I'm not going to say anything, or she says something, and I'm just going to hiss. Or something, but I'm not going to do that. I just knew it that it that it degraded the character somewhat to do that kind of stuff. So, 
Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting that you say that because I totally felt that like in the first few episodes, I it really felt like, wow, this is something different, you know, something special. Like it, it felt the performance was much more understated, I felt. Where, yeah, that's what I that's what I was trying to do. I thought that was important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Where so many characters were like so way over the top and and broad and loud, which was you know fine at the time. But Mezzagato I know I had I had only really watched the only only series I had watched with any regularity just for preparation was the one before mine. I think it was Ninja oh. Storm. Is that right? Right. Yes. Right. Right. So I had watched that. I had seen Lothor. I had seen I had seen some Lord Zed. I had seen some early uh, the earliest stuff as well, and I was. Um, familiar with you know how it was done and i didn't think that was wrong necessarily i just thought it had been done um right. and also you know i can't it's it's hard to uh to get across how weird it was to work in the in the in the mesagogue head you know in the helmet it was it was really well built and the guys who did this you know was articulated we had a jaw piece we had teeth um, and the eyes were really set in and I wore those contact lenses, but it was a thing, you know, for sure. You put the head on and I stood in the mirror that first day and I thought, well, this takes something different as well. I mean, obviously it's, they kept saying to me, everything has to be big. You, you know, we can't see your mouth unless it's really big. You know, we really need big. And I had a feeling that we didn't need big. I had a feeling that the look of it was quite cool. And if there was always this kind of steam kind of going on that you'd look closer at Mesogog if he was smaller, whereas if he were, you know, I just thought he was cool was the other thing. I thought that whole, the whole head was amazing. It was great looking. And I wasn't about to, you know, to screw that by, by being <laughs> wacky, you know, or rubbery or something like that. So. Right. When you were auditioning for Mezagog, did you get to see anybody else auditioning for the same part? Well, that's a great question. I, um, they, they weren't sure what they were doing. And this often happens in a show, especially a show like this. Uh, when they're doing a whole new season, their idea was they obviously knew it was Dino Thunder. They obviously knew it was based around dinosaurs, but they didn't technically have Mezagog. Um, and also Doug told me a funny story about how Mezagog was probably the 12th name on the list that they could use. <laughs> you know, Disney is difficult with that stuff. You, and they, were, they would tell us other things at the beginning, like, look, this is a Disney show. You can't say kill. You know, you can't say this, you can't say that. So they've got a lot of rules. And apparently Mezagog was Doug's 12th choice. And I don't know what the other ones were, but they weren't acceptable to Disney. But he, they, they didn't have Mezagog. They knew that they had a, a scientist guy, and they knew that he was going to split or turn into Jekyll and Hyde, some sort of a, a dinosaur. So the audition was by far the weirdest one I've ever had, where they said, look, here's a two-part audition. We, here's a scene as Dr. Mercer, and this is pretty standard. And then for the second part of the audition, Latham, we want you to uh, be a dinosaur. Now, we, we don't, we don't, they said, we don't have any dialogue here for you. We just want you to be a dinosaur. So just keep that in mind. So I had that uh, for a couple days. So it, fortunately, it wasn't just on the spot, be a dinosaur, because I'd love to see what I would have done on that. But I had it for a couple days. And I remember just thinking, this is the craziest thing ever. And you know, you spend a little time thinking about it. And I think that I had mentioned this before that my cat was really the inspiration for, for the Mezagog hiss. I remember, I, I love cats. I had a cat at the time. And, you know, when they do that hiss, when they get pissed off, and I just thought, why can't that be the deal? I mean, why can't that be something like that? So I sort of did something like that in the mirror. And we go into the audition um, a, a couple of days later. And yeah, there's other guys that I know. I mean, this is a small uh, city in Auckland. I know the, the guys who are sitting there quite well. I know the casting director, I'd done other things for her. And, um, but I also knew it was an American show. I also knew I 
probably had an edge as far as the Mercer part went. I felt like that was really me. I certainly understood him. He's a lot like my dad or something. Um, but so the dinosaur part was certainly uh, wacky. And boy, I'd love to see that tape, you know, because literally like T-Rex on crack guy, you know, that was my deal. <laughs> like, but I did, I had some movements. I think I might have said something and I did the hiss. And then, you know, that leads to a callback, of course, if you do well. And that was a few weeks later and Doug was there and that was um that's often you know the scariest part of the process a lot of times you'll you'll come for a callback and there'll be several producers and they're kind of jaded they got a coffee and they're like you know when's lunch and but this was just Doug and and he really cared like I said so I did uh he didn't even want to see uh the dinosaur again he he loved the dinosaur he wanted to see Mercer again and so I did that and uh but I did notice at the callback, I was the only one. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I was the only mm. one who was there. And uh, so I thought, well, he just wants to talk. I mean, I think he just wants to talk and see what's going on. So, like I said, we got along. And then um, a few weeks later, I heard I got it. But, again, we didn't know anything about Mezagog. I certainly didn't imagine that the dinosaur character, whatever it would be, was going to be speaking. So, so you said um, that Anton Mercer was a lot like your dad. How so? Well, I... Um, I mean, I think just in sort of subtle ways, um, um, sort of movement wise, the way he looks, uh, my dad's a very sort of, you know, spiffy dresser, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. I think there were some subtle things that I looked to that, uh, where I felt like he was, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not a character that I, that I identified with a lot as far as him being say a businessman or, uh, you know, someone who, who runs his own business or a scientist or something, I was really still feeling like, you know, kind of snowboarder guy, sort of actor guy. And this was a very professional sort of a guy. And so I modeled some of the stuff after my dad, you know, and also him being a father and things like that. So. Okay. Okay. So we get, now you get onto the first day of set and what was your first day like? Um, well, that was, that was, that was scary. Um, and, you know, the first day was actually as Mezogog and that's always a thing too, you know, cause you've got to establish both characters and obviously a Mercer doesn't come along. I'm not sure he's maybe in the second or third episode. He's, he's not right at the beginning, but the first day on set was as Mezogog and it was in the lab. And, um, I, I wrote this the other day on the board that that was, you know, we were all, they were all looking out to see how this was going to go. And I hadn't shown anyone, Hey, you know, Hey Doug, Hey, this is this is what I'm going to do. Doug just said, "Let's shoot this," and you just you just do what you're going to do. And um, so it was fun because I felt comfortable in that scene, and it was you know it was scary, but it was really fun. We had this very cool lab. All that stuff was cool that those guys built with the beakers and the colored liquids and the cool machines and the Geno randomizer and the sort of throne. And so I felt very at home in the thing. It got it took me a while to get used to working with the with the head. You have limited vision, you know that's part of it. So the, all the typical things you do as an actor say you know, your eye lines are hitting marks and things like that were, were especially challenging, you know, with Mezogog. You can't look down and see where your mark is. So you got to kind of feel it and move around. But I just sort of got him in my body and I started, I started doing it. We did a scene. I did the voice. I think I also mentioned um, before that they told me we would, we would dub the voice. They never were going to use a voice actor as they often do. They were going to have me do the voice, but I was going to do it later, match the jaw movements, and they would add some effect to get a Mezogog voice. But um, I had a voice that I thought was useful on the set, at least, to do the Mezogog voice. So I started doing it, and we did the scene, and, and, and we finished. And I'll never forget this. Doug just ran up, and he was just over the moon. I mean, he was like, that's perfect. I mean, he's like, whatever you were doing, that's it. We, I love the voice. He's like, we're going to 
we're going to use the voice. So, I mean, let's do this again. We're going to get the microphone in there and let's just start running with the voice. So there was also something about the helmet or the mesagogue head that reverberated a little bit. It was so kind of hollow and deep and the teeth that I had in it and everything just kind of came together to, to, to make this voice and to make the character the way it was. So it was obviously easier for Disney as well for us to do the voice on set. It was a little bit more work for me, but you know, it, it's never that much fun to go in a studio a week later and sort of watch a scene you did and match the mouth movements and try to do a voice. So I knew that if we could do it like that, we'd get a better performance. So the first day was really just finding Mezagog and doing some stuff. And um, it's hot as hell in that suit, but it was fun. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Um, Elsa, what is her actor's name? Elsa, Miriama um, um, Smith. Yes, yeah. Miriama. So what was it like working with her? Well, she, you know, she was good. We didn't know each other before that. I thought it was cool to have a female, you know, kind of female badass um, <laughs> assistant or right-hand man or whatever you want to call her. You know, it's funny. I got, I got a little bit method on that show where when I was Mezagog, I just was Mezagog. So, you know, I didn't, to be honest with you, we didn't really hang out in between or things like that we certainly got to know each other we laughed a lot on set and we had fun but when i'm in the mesagog suit i don't particularly like anybody i didn't like her <laughs> i didn't like lothor i didn't like anybody like you know i just like i was just mesagog and you know it's interesting maybe we all have a little bit of mesagog in us that kind of you know bad mood kind of grumpy just like you know stop looking at me don't talk to me kind of thing and i got a little bit like that when i was mesagog just to try to feel it and just to keep it in there but you know to answer your question she's great she's a very professional actress she's done a lot of stuff here um, and we had a good, uh, we had a good rapport on there and we had a good vibe and we had a lot of fun. So explain what method acting is. Well, look, I studied at NYU and I studied at Strasbourg, so I had studied the method and the method essentially is that, is that, um, instead of just showing up sort of as yourself in a particular scene and, and, and doing the lines, you, as much as you can, you become the character that you're supposed to play offset. And, uh, so that when you're, <clears throat> when they're filming, you know, the idea is that you have a more rounded performance, that you have a more believable performance. And the, the advantage can be that if you spend time, for example, being mesagogue when they're not filming, you know, you come up with more things. You, you find out how mesagogue moves his hand. You find out how he scratches himself if he has to. You find out how he walks and sits down. So I felt that was important with mesagogue because I knew there was a, that he needed to have a well-rounded thing, that it shouldn't look like a a guy in a suit that it should look like uh, the character. And so, and you know, the, the helmet made me a little bit grumpy. I was always hot and uh, <laughs> you know, it really showed up the day that the dude came who played Lothar when we did the, you know, the thing when they come back, I forgot, I think his name's Grant. I'm not sure. I forgot when he came back, yeah. but I, I think I sort of semi famously wrote this rant a few years ago on the range report, how I saw the dude and I just thought this dude's lame. I can't wait to just <laughs> <laughs> tear into this dude, you know, and I was surprised at my own reaction. And I wasn't talking about Lothar, I was talking about the actor. You know, I saw him in the trailer. I'm just like, this dude is just, what's your deal? This dude is just, I just can't wait to just tear this dude down. He, you know, he's terrible. He sucks. He's a terrible actor. <laughs> oh, no. Lothar was a terrible bad guy. I mean, he was just like, he was like camp as a row of tents. Like, he was terrible, man. Preach just couldn't it. wait. You know, and I was surprised later on, you know, it was like weeks later. I'm like, what was my deal? Like, what, what was my problem? Why was I so like that? You know, normally I'd be on a trailer like, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. My name's Latham. Hey, I look forward to working with you. You know, that kind of stuff. But I wasn't like that. It's like, this dude's lame. This guy's so lame. And I can't wait to, you know, and obviously it's my season. He can't win. So I know that. <laughs> so anyway, I got a little bit method with the Mezagog and I don't regret it. I look back. I think it's hilarious. And unfortunately, I got a little bit like that at the Power of Morphicon as well. I think that. 
you know, the suit actor guy was there for Zed and I'm, they would ask me about Zed and I'm just like, what are you talking about? He's like a bodybuilder or something. And then there's another dude who did the voice. <clears throat> How do you even compare these things? And I, I talked a little bit of smack about that. I think the dude might even go a little bit mad. I'm not sure. But anyway, I was irresponsible. I apologize. Mezogog took over. <laughs> it was good. Well, that's all I have to say. <laughs> it was pretty really entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness Where's, so were you method with basically just the whole time that you were on the show like you offset you you know you're like you look at the kids you're like uh, i can't wait to kill them kids I can't um, wait to kill them. no I, re I really wasn't i actually got to be you know after a while you're working together quite closely and i got to be good friends with all those kids so that that was really that was really more at the beginning and it was really more reserved for Lothor, unfortunately. But no, I got to, I loved those kids and we got along really well. Um, and uh, we had a lot of fun. So I was not at all um, method with them. And in fact, I really wasn't, uh, it was really more at the beginning, I guess is what I'm trying to say, when I was trying to establish mm -hmm. the character. And then once we had shot some episodes and I knew how to do Mezogog, then I would just get, you know, it started very early in the morning. It'd be, you know, five o'clock in the morning. They'd, we'd have to put the contacts in. You got to paint the black all around my eyes and mouth so you don't see anything we got to put the head on and so during that process you start to get very mesagog like nobody ate lunch with me i could tell you that much you know when i would have <laughs> stuff on and i'd still have the contacts on at lunchtime they take the head off but i'd have these black circles around my eyes and then i'd have uh i'd have the contacts in still which were scary so the crew people would freak out with that they'd turn around as whoa and i just was eating lunch by myself but then mercer days were also different you know you have mesagog days and you have mercer days so you wouldn't really do both on one day <clears throat> so when i'm on the mercer days i'm just hanging out and i got a suit on and you know very friendly but i got along well with those kids and we hung out a lot uh when we weren't filming and uh, still friends with some of them to this day so was there anything that you would have changed or um anything that any storyline that you weren't too thrilled about um, when you were filming? Well, uh, the mezzo monster thing, I, 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 th I thought was unfortunate. There's a lot of, those guys do a great job with the scripts. They have to write a lot of stuff in a short period of time and they're writing it as we're going. And uh, so I thought they did very well with the scripts. And I knew obviously that as you come to the end of a Power Ranger season, you know, the bad guy has to lose in some way. I liked the idea of splitting Mercer from Mezagog. I thought that was right. Um, but I was, to be honest with you, a little disappointed with the Mezo monster, with the way... You're not alone. Yeah, yeah I, alone. I realized that. And I, I will not forget showing up on the set, you know, was twofold. One was that I wasn't involved with the Mezo monster. And I had been really involved with Mezagog the whole time. I really cared. And they knew that I cared. And I, I constantly... <clears throat> you know, pushed for a continuity with Mezogog that he wouldn't say or do things that weren't in the character with it for the sake of the show. The Mezo monster at the end, I was not in that suit. That was a stuntman in the suit. I felt that he didn't look that great. Um, and so that was really, to be honest with you, the only thing where I was a little bit like, oh, you know, I, but you know, look, I'm not a writer and I had had my suggestions about how that could have gone, but they, they do a tremendous job on that show. And that was, they were doing the best that they could do. So, you know, if I could go back in time, I would probably change that, um, the look of that character a little bit, the look of the Mezzo monster and the way that happened. But uh, otherwise, no, I thought, you know, I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting. All the stuff with Trent and being his son and that stuff, I thought they did a great job. 
Anybody else got any questions before I continue? Well, my, my main question was, do you feel like the characters stayed consistent the whole time? Because you hear from, like, Doug Sloan saying that Disney would kind of curtail things a little bit, like how they stopped the whole Trent and Kira romance and classically mm-hmm. looking back at, like, Lord Zed, that kids actually were scared of him, so they had to make him goofier as mm-hmm. the series went by. So, I mm-hmm. mean, would you say that you felt like the characters stayed consistent? Did they ever tell you to tone things down a little bit? or? I don't remember that they ever did. I, If anything, once Mercer split from Mezagog, I felt like it was right for Mezagog to be a little crazier, that I wanted mm-hmm. to show that there was a breakdown starting to happen just for the, the line of the story. So I certainly don't... I don't remember ever being told that we should ever pull that back. I mean, actually, that reminds me that Doug, the, the first, one of the first things Doug ever said to me is he said, I want to scare the hell out of people with this guy. I want to scare kids with this guy. So I think that was Doug rebelling against Disney a little bit and rebelling against some of the things that he had seen happen. So I loved that at the beginning because I was saying, hey, me too. Let's do that. So he was not about to tell me to be less scary. Even if he had, I wouldn't have done it. And I, I think it's entirely possible that he was being told to do that, but he was not about to do that. That's one of the things I loved about Doug. I think, I think that was a response to a ninja storm because I know Doug went on Ranger Board a lot, and people were telling right. him that that season was too campy. Right. So... Okay. That's yeah. That's probably where it came from. That's probably where it came from. So he he told me that at the beginning, and we agreed. And I was never told to do that. If anything, I started, and it was hard work. But I remember thinking, all right, my voice needs to be raspier. I, this needs to be louder. This needs to be a little bit crazier because we're building up to something here. And, you know, we had to do the opposite of getting, you know, less scary. We had to get more scary, I thought. So, hmm. and that's why, you know, the mezzo monster. So we, we build up to then we having this sort of, you know, rubbery kind of, you know, toy dinosaur vibe at the end where I just thought, well, this is not, <laughs> this is not really that scary. <laughs> like I'd picture a mezogog who's like 50 feet tall and kind of like, you know, on fire and just crazy, you know, but they have right. restrictions. They have tons of restrictions about money and everything else. So it's once you factor all those things in, it's difficult and it's very easy for viewers or for people to say, well, they should have done this, they should have done that. But you've got to deal within the confines of Disney and it's difficult. Do you uh, remember anything that uh, stood out as a really good performance that you did uh, with any scene or any, um, um, any particular episode? That's a good question. Um, um, I, I don't think I do. You know, I, that first day was important because I had to do something that we put in the can right then. So I knew that whatever I did then was there and I couldn't change that. And I couldn't come back the second day and say, oh, no, here's what I'm doing now. You know, so that was a big day in that in that. And that's why I practiced some and worked in the mirror to get that going. But I do remember one day sitting on the throne, you know, his cool chair that he had and and. uh I think the scene called for, I'm on the chair, Elsa and, I can't remember the other guy. Who, the Zeltrax. Guy, Zeltrax, exactly. Elsa and Zeltrax you know, come in, and there's a lot of that in the script. You know, uh, Mezogog sits in chair, Elsa and Zeltrax enter, Elsa says, you know, so-and-so. Mezogog gets up, <clears throat> walks over, threatens Elsa. So I do remember one day saying to Charlie Haskell, who's a great director who I've worked with since, who was on there, and he was always like, hey, look, Latham, you're the man, like, you just tell me, you know, we started to establish that kind of relationship, which was great for me with new directors where they'd say, what do you want to do here? So I'd say, here's what we're going to do. They're going to come in. I know it says this, but I'm going to sit here and she's going to say something. And I'm not really, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to come up to her and threaten her. I'm going to threaten her by not moving. 
I'm going to threaten her by being disappointed, by being still, by staying there. So I remember one day that we changed that when Charlie was directing and I sat there and I, and I remember she says something and I just sort of moved my hand a little bit and I was just very still. And I remember, I think that was the kind of next level for me where I thought, well, this is more the way to go. You know, just, just don't move as much, just stay still. Just, it makes her more nervous. It makes them kind of sit there below me and try to figure out what's going on. Whereas the script would often call for me being more active or jumping down there or showing you how I felt. So I felt it was important not to. So I think there was, there was some episode there in the middle with Charlie where we really played and I thought I, I liked the stuff with the throne or the chair. I always thought that was cool and it felt good with Mezagog sitting there. So, um, but you know, I, there was some hard stuff that the stuff where they showed the transformation, I forgot who directed that stuff was, was tricky. That was a fun day, but that was very hard. But, but really specifically to answer your question, I, I can't really remember anything other than that day with Charlie, where we started to establish maybe a new way of doing it. Well, how was the transformation hard? Well, that was just a really hard day in that they strapped a camera to my chest and, and, um, you know, it's a lot of work to go in that shot from Mercer, um, into Mezagog. It's slow. So you're, you're there and they, you know, the next shot you have the teeth and you're kind of writhing around and then they put the slime in with the teeth and then they put the eyes in and then there's a, you go away for three hours and you do a halfway makeup halfway between Mercer and Mezagog and you keep going back all day and, and filming this stuff and putting it together and emotionally and physically it's sort of difficult to try to try to realistically put yourself through something that you hopefully would never go through, like turning into, <laughs> turning into a dinosaur. That was, I knew it was an important thing and I didn't want it to look stupid, but, um, that, that was hard. But, uh, when I look at that, I've seen that footage, um, since, and, you know, I'm always like, Oh wow, I should have, I could have maybe done this a little bit differently, but, um, it was good. It was, it had to be done. It was hard. No, that transformation. I was, and I don't, yeah. that, that scared the crap out of me. And I, I am admittedly a punk. I don't watch scary movies and stuff, so I get scared easily. But I'm mm. just saying. Yeah. Just saying. that The slime and the thing. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Holy Jesus. So um, any phony moments, any um, bloopers, anything that you remember that uh, stuck out? Um, well, I, I don't know so much phony. You know, I think whenever it's, it's hard, that's a really objective thing. Always as an actor, you can look at anything you've done and it's really easy for you to pick out things and say, oh, well, this wasn't that good or why didn't I do this or, you know, but those are really very personal things. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't nail down any, what I would say would be phony moments, but I, oh, no, no, not phony. I'm sorry. Funny. Oh, funny. funny. Oh, funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, funny. Oh yeah. I, look, I got a story for you. This is the funniest thing. Um, and I wish I know this footage is somewhere. I would love to see it. We, um, you know, the whole uh, Emma Lahana's character, Kira Ford had a lot of music stuff, uh, in, in that season, which was great. And she did a great job with it. And there was a day where <clears throat> they were doing a music video. I don't remember the name of the song, but she did a pretty full on music video for one of the episodes and uh where she's like you know in front of a green screen and there's like a spinning stage and she's doing one of her songs and she's playing the guitar and um and i the second half of the day was mezagog the first half of the day was her music video but they were running long on that doug was directing it and uh, i got i had my mezagog stuff on and i came in and they were still shooting that so i'm waiting you know holding the head in my hand kind of just sitting there waiting for them to get done and i'm watching her do her song, you know, as you do a music video, they play the music really loud and she 
lip syncs the song and she's spinning around on this spinning stage and she was very cool it's very music video and I, I remember thinking this is cool for the Power Rangers to have a thing like this she's a genuinely talented musician Emma is and I love how it works in so we're sitting there and I'm watching and I know they got like another hour to go or something on this and I had this idea that wouldn't it be awesome if Mezagog was in her video so I come up to Doug and I said Doug I got this idea like when you get done with her what if you give me the lyrics, get them printed out. You give them to me. And then when she's done, I'll go on this same spinning stage in the green screen. And as Mezagog, I'll do this like music video thing. And we knew it wouldn't be in the show. Like it was like a funny thing that, that we would have. So Doug thinks it's a terrific idea, which I loved about Doug. So they get me to print out and I learn as much as I can of the chorus or something. She gets done. I put the head on, they put me on the green screen spinning sound stage and they start filming the, you know, the pop music, the Kira Ford song comes on and Mezagog sitting there with his arms out, you know, like I'm like, you know, uh, Mark Anthony or something like, you know, lip syncing <laughs> this like Kira Ford song and people were just dying. I mean, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And they filmed the whole thing and Doug's like, that was brilliant. You know, that's going to be in the archives of Disney somewhere. So that's a thing like I look back on and think. That's Doug, you know, right there in a nutshell, that he would do something like that and spend the time and the money to film Mezagog in something they know they can't use. But anyway, I, when I saw him a year later, he said, oh, that's in the archives. You know, we'll have that forever. So that'd be a great thing to see. We need to find that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> find that video. <laughs> we need to find other videos, any other, you know, things that y'all taping mm -hmm. that is, you know, maybe not so safe for work. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah. <laughs> So like um let's go down the the list of the uh, the cast. Um uh you mentioned I don't I don't know how to say her name. Elsa, what is her name? Miriama. Miriama. I always want to call her Miriam or something. I'm sorry. So I mean, yeah, you described her. Uh let's do um James then. Yeah, James is a great kid, very mature. I think he did a good job. He's a director now. He's actually directed a New Zealand feature a couple years ago and he did really well with it. Uh, I like James. He was very grown up, uh, very responsible, and a good kid. And let's go to Emma. Well, Emma's great. Emma and I got to be really good friends. In fact, uh, she was one of my closest friends on that. And we have, we still talk to each other. Uh, and I've seen her a couple times. She moved to New York for a while. She lives in Vancouver now. And uh, we're still in touch. She's very sweet. Um, she's really maybe the most like her character uh, of any of those kids. Okay, so so James is not a soccer jock, really? He's no, a... <laughs> no, no, he's not a soccer jock. You know, I'm sure he's athletic, you know, but he he's really more like a director, you know, James is. Very smart kid, mm -hmm. very together. You know how sometimes kids are, you know, that age, even when they're quite young, they just sort of seem mature, you know what I mean? They really know what they're doing, they know where they're going, you know, like he was into writing and, and directing and stuff, you know. Oh, okay, and Kevin? Well, Kevin's great. Kevin, uh, I love Kevin. We got along really well. Kevin, he, Kevin's, he's got this side to him that's kind of street, you know, which I love. Like, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he would sort of walk around like, oh, look, I'm the only one here who's really, you know, and he's like from Toronto. Very funny. Um, always making jokes. We used to hang out some. I liked Kevin. He was, Kevin's very cool, you know, like in real life. He's really cool. Yeah, a.k.a. K-Flow. <laughs> yeah, K-Flow, exactly. He's K-Flow for real. That's his deal, you know. Yeah, that, yes, that is, yeah. I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to be Ethan. I'm not, I mean, I understand. <laughs> right, right, right. Some of the music videos I've seen, 
I know he's cool. He's cool. That's the real Kevin, you know. So he definitely he had to change it up to be Ethan, you know. That's not who he was, but he did a great job with it, you know. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and then we got Jeffrey. Yeah, and Jeffrey was cool. You know, he we spent some time together. Being, you know, we did quite a few scenes together, and I like Jeffrey. He was a serious actor, kid, and you know, he again another Joker. Like those kids were all Jokers. There, there was a lot of funny stuff going on, but I liked him a lot. I'm curious, actually, if you um, interacted at all with the voice actor for Zeltrax. Uh... <clears throat> no, because that was just that was a um, a Japanese stuntman who was in the suit, right? And he would just come on, and so Zeltrax was done later, right? Uh, I don't remember and... who did it. Maybe James Galen or somebody right, did the yeah. voice. So, so no, that was a very you know he would just it was it was a Japanese guy who. I didn't really speak English, and so I didn't really ever talk to him. I would just kind of say hi, and he'd say hi, and I'd see him sitting there waiting to go on, and he would just come on. Right. So, how how was that, by the way? Like interacting with people that are not really, you know, like you can't have a big conversation, but you right. You still it was have fine. To scene together, yeah. It was fine. You you as an actor in this genre, you end up having to do a lot of stuff to tennis balls or to you know, <laughs> brooms or stuff that aren't people. So at least to have a person there. Uh, was very helpful, but there were there would be a, a Japanese interpreter a lot of times who would be just off camera who would help sell tracks. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say whatever I'm saying, and then I would hear the Japanese version of what I just said, so that sell tracks the actor in the sell tracks suit would know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a little bit trippy. And let's see, I'm trying to think of oh, um, Katrina, uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Hearn, Tom. and. Um... Katrina. Katrina. Katrina, yes. Oh, Tom and Katrina. Yeah, I didn't work with them a lot. You know, obviously there, there weren't really scenes. Uh, there, I guess there was a couple with Mercer and them. Um, but uh, and Katrina Devine I knew from, you know, being a New Zealand actress. But Tom I didn't know, but we got to be, you know, really good friends. In fact, that's probably the closest uh, friendship that came out of that show it was me and Tom Hearn. And we just really hit it off. We, we had a good time. And then, you know, we, we're still friends. And uh, I still see him every time I come to New Zealand. So I love Tom. Tom's hilarious. And uh, we had a good time. And uh, I guess, last but not least, uh, JDF? Oh, yeah, Jason. Uh, he was cool. I really liked him. Actually, we, we really hit it off. We felt like we were kind of, you know, the two you know, older dudes on the show. <laughs> and uh, as a fellow American, you know, like, <clears throat> especially at the beginning, we spent a lot of time together. And we'd sit in each other's trailers. And as I've mentioned, he's the one that about the range report so you know jason obviously knew all about the power rangers and he he was you know the original uh, dude so he was the one who said hey look you know before we start i should tell you that there's a lot of people who watch this show and they've got a, a website and there's a big fan base and they've got this site and you should check it out and, and whatever so um you know jason wasn't there for the middle part of the season which i did think was a bit weird i thought that was unfortunate so you know he just so that that's when they just had the suit like where he was I forgot yeah. what it was. He was just trapped in the suit or whatever. That's because Jason wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked Jason a lot. He's cool, you know, kung fu guy and a real California guy. I thought he was great. He had a great energy. I enjoyed watching him work his stuff, you know, with the stunts. His fighting stuff was a real deal. And so it was cool. It was cool. Okay. So this is this is one of the things that I noticed when, um, I believe, when Doug would come on Ranger Board and talk to us sometimes. I mean, he, and it was the transition. I think he was already doing Dino Thunder. I'm not quite sure, but he would always talk about 
um, loving the Ninja Storm cast and loving working with them. And he just, he like, I guess he was like head over heels for them and what have you. And then when he got into Dino Thunder, peep, <laughs> you can't, you didn't hear nothing. Um, the chemistry. So, the, so do you, f like, what was the chemistry like for the cast itself? I mean, is, cause like to, to regular person like me, it would just feel like, oh, well, he didn't really like the, Dino Thunder cast as much as he loved the Ninja Storm cast. Well, that's interesting. I, I don't think I got the opposite impression. I think if anything, what was going on was that um, <clears throat> I think he, he was very vocal during the Ninja Storm time. And I think it was more a decision. It was a more um, executive decision about not giving so much stuff away, not talking so much about the show. And that may have been something that came from above Doug. I'm not sure, but, <clears throat> you know, if anything, the impression I got was that Doug felt like with Dino Thunder, he was starting to get what he wanted to get, you know, the, the vision that he had. So I certainly never felt anything like that, like he didn't think the cast was as good or didn't get along with it. I had the opposite impression. I'm not sure. I, I think whatever happened with that was for other reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And, um, and so, like, you keep in contact with... Tom still and and who him else? I do and with Emma sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. So if you were to if they asked you to come back on the show, would you? Well, I would. I've said this before that I would come back as Mesagog. They actually asked me to be on the next year's show. I forgot what that one was called. Um, and I went and met. There were some new producers then. Doug wasn't doing it then. And I met with them about being on the show again, but they wanted me to play someone else. And I ended up deciding that I just wasn't going to do that. Like, I, I loved being Mesagog. If you wanted me to be Mesagog again, I would. But I wasn't going to just take the typical New Zealand actor route and just play whatever they wanted me to play. I just, <laughs> I, just I don't know. I just didn't want to do it. I put a lot into Mesagog, and I just felt like that should be my deal. So I've always said that uh, I would come back as Mezagog, absolutely. I'd be happy to, you know, if the, if the head's still around and the stuff still exists and people would want me to do it, then I would absolutely do it. I mean, I, having said that, I would, I would want to have some kind of input or at least see what they're talking about happen with Mezagog because I do feel a little bit protective of the characters. Better that we never do Mezagog again than yeah. it ends up being wacky some way. So, mm -hmm. I like that. But yeah, I'd, I'd do it again for sure. And speaking of wacky, how do you think about the new season of Power Rangers? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I have not, I have not seen that, so I don't, okay. I don't know what. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> we're not huge fans of the current season. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's now why. What's the problem? The, well, where do we begin? Yeah, the characters, <laughs> the characters don't have a lot of heart. Um, okay. It's very wacky. It's. It, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a really good description right now. Okay, take Dino Thunder, <laughs> and you take out the really cool villain, and you take out plot. I don't know plot, <laughs> and you take and then everything is like Barney level Fisher. Oh, Price. Not, even, no. not even Fisher Price. I'm not gonna say that. Teletubby level wow. kind of thing. Mm. All right, that's not good. That's not good at all. I, I do have to say that I always feel like the villain is the most important thing. Now, I would say that. I'm biased. but And I was saying this during the season. I've said this to other people that without a really great villain, you know, you can't have a great hero. You know, if the villain mm -hmm. is soft, then we just don't care that much. Like, you got to have some adversity. And that's just true in any kind of drama. Like, you need to have 
the adversity. You need to have that obstacle for them to overcome. And the greater the villain is or the greater the villain and, and his whole deal is perceived to be, the greater the obstacle is for the Rangers. So when they do overcome it, it's better. So it's really, it's really important. And like I said, I would say that because I'm a villain. But when I see those things, that's what I look at, that that's got to be tight. That has to be right that the villain be really good, well-crafted, and really very evil so that we really need a big uh, obstacle to overcome. And you just, like, said exactly what I was thinking. Like, the villain, to me, is definitely a huge part of the show. Like, the heroes look Mm -hmm. much more heroic if they have something really serious, you know, to tackle. Right, right, of course. Well, the great thing about Dino Thunder is that they were also kind of arguing with each other in the beginning, too. So there was conflict everywhere. Whereas right. this, it's like everybody's happy. There's yeah, no that's, here. That, yeah. No, that's that's lame. Also in Dino Thunder, I mean that the thing with having the villain also be, you know, split from a guy who's really not a villain, uh, it made it a little bit more interesting as well because you you know, you've got a villain who's really coming from a, a human being, you know, so that's who's a father, you know, so that's yeah. uh, makes it a little bit more interesting as well. So I always thought that was a great a twist to it, so Absolutely. And then we come to, and then we come to the, um, we come to Paramorphicon, right? Because you attended the first one, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's been a few years. Um, so looking back on that, what was that experience like? Well, that was really great. I mean, it was also it was a charity, and, and I think it was going towards um, Starship Foundation or something with kids. Make a wish. Make a wish. That's right. Sorry. Um, so uh, that was important to me, and I realized that there were kids there who. You know, who were sick, who, you know, I met this kid, I met one of the kids who was there who was really ill. Um, and I don't think he had a long time to live. He looked sick and he's in heaven. I mean, he's in, he's at the Power Morphicon. He's a huge Power Rangers fan. He's from the fan base, you know, that our children, I'm going to say he's eight, nine years old. And, you know, to to see him see Anton Mercer, to see me and to come up. And to get an autograph and get this big smile. I mean, I would say I was moved. I mean, who wouldn't be moved? I was like, wow. So me coming to this thing and saying hi to this kid and answering his questions and signing something for him makes a difference in his life. You know, and that's one of those dream scenarios where you think, okay, it's just a show and you're just an actor. But when you can do something like that, it's a powerful thing. So I was more than happy to be there, not only just for the regular dedicated fan base, but for a cause like that was amazing. But aside from that, you know, when you work in New Zealand on it, it's a little bit of a bubble. They don't show the show here. And we, I wasn't interacting. But just recently, now they do. Yes, now the they, they do. Yeah. They, they didn't at that time. And I, so I remember thinking it was important for me to meet some of the fans and to get some of the feedback. So it was a lot mm-hmm. of, it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about it. And I met a lot of the other uh, Power Rangers sort of alumni that I hadn't met. So it helped to inform me more about the show and what the fans want and what they don't want and what the world is like. So it was, it was a lot of fun. How was it meeting the more adult fans? <laughs> well, I thought that was very interesting. You know, it's, it's a wacky group, you know, but they're very educated. You know, I sat on some of those voice panels and I realized that they really know about the show. So it helped to cement that, that idea that I had had from the beginning that this, there were a, a massive group of fans who really cared about the storylines, who cared about the characters, who cared about the acting. Uh, who cared about the franchise in general. So I was even more educated about that, and I was happy to answer questions. And uh, it was, you know, look, it's really fun. They loved it. I loved working on it. And it's um, it's the reason that you go, I think, to so that everybody can have closure on the whole thing and see what right. see what it's about. 
was there any was there any um fan moments that um awkward that were either awkward or scared you or wanted you to go to new zealand really (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know if i would comment about that actually but (laughs) no 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 no, not really not not really no i mean look it's a little bit trippy um when people think they know who you are or they know you as as mercer or mesagog so i would be walking in the lobby and people would be like dr mercer you know or or things like that so (laughs) they think they they think that you they know who you are but look i realize that it's important and you have a certain responsibility as an actor you can't on the one hand say i want to be an actor you know i want to be on a show I want to entertain people. And then on the other hand, not want to deal with people. You know what I mean? You hear that too much with actors. Right. It's a responsibility that you have. And especially if you're going to the, uh, to the convention or to the Power Morphicon, well, then you've got to play ball. You, know, you don't go there and then not want to be talked to or not. You know, I mean, look, okay, to be honest with you, later at night, there would be some wacky stuff. There was a bar there, obviously. People <laughs> did drink. I did go to the bar and we would go and we'd have drinks. And so there – when people would get a little bit liquored up, there'd be some stuff. There'd be some maybe inappropriate pictures that tried to be taken or some inappropriate uh, proposals, possibly. That always happens, you know, when people are drinking. So, you know, there was nothing, you know, out of control. So <laughs> it was all right. And, you know, plus you're mesagog, so people aren't messing with you too much, you know, because I turn around and I start giving them the look. They're just like, okay, that's fine. I'll leave you alone now. <laughs> amazing so uh what are you up to now what are you working on well the um actually after let's see after the power rangers <clears throat> i did some i did some other stuff here i did a couple i do theater in new zealand so i did doubt and i did some other plays here for the Auckland theater company and then i did i think i did bridge to terabithia and i did i did a couple of other things and then i was kind of burnt out to be honest with you i wanted to do some other things. So I moved to New York. I did still do a little bit of work. I, thought I was on Law and Order or something like that. But then I started doing. My brother and I have, have uh, had this kind of ongoing art project where we build musical instruments out of furniture, and we started working together doing that. We had a couple art shows in New York, and then last year we actually did an off Broadway show with that. So I was really like, what? Yeah, you were in New York, and I didn't know. Yeah, we actually. <laughs> Actually, we did uh, – Ethan Hawke directed Sam Shepard's Lie of the Mind off-Broadway, and we, we did that last year. And uh, my brother and I built a whole bunch of musical instruments out of furniture, and we sat on stage with the actors, and we, we scored the show as they did it. And it was great fun. We actually got nominated for a, for an award now. I can't remember what it was. A Drama Desk Award, I think it was, uh, for our music for it. So it was really fun. And so I've been kind of more involved in that kind of thing. And I was a little burnt out after that. I did do a show here uh, last year or maybe the year before called The Cult, which is a New Zealand series where I played a cult leader. But especially after that, I, I, I just really um, thought I wasn't going to do anything for a while. Or if I was, it would have to be really special. So, you know, I do I do other things. I do, you know, this stuff building instruments i love doing that and uh also my wife and i started three years ago a toy invention company so we actually develop toys for uh toy companies now which i love so when you're starting to get some other things going on you know it's good as an actor too to have to have other things and that way if something comes along and you want to do it you do it and if it comes along and you don't want to do it you don't do it so any final thoughts before we wrap up uh any message to the fans that you would like to deliver 
Well, look, you know, I hope the fans know I love the fans. <clears throat> that's why I go back to the Ranger board, and that's why I'm happy to do things like this. I'll, I'll always play ball with that stuff. I, you know, I love my association with the show. I, I think about it very fondly, and I'm always surprised how all over the world I'll run into people to this day who still uh, know the show and know me. And um, so that's great. I'm appreciative of that. I think it's just so much fun. That's what it's supposed to be. All this business is supposed to be fun. It's play. You know, you play, you make a character, people are entertained and you, you have fun with it. So I'm never going to take that too seriously. So like, the fans know I love them and I'll always be around and I'll come back to the Ranger Board every once in a while. And, and uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are still here. I'm glad the show's still going. And um, I think it's great. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. We have um, Jeremy. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good. And then we have, we call him Spy. His name is Jonathan, <laughs> but we call him Spy because it's cooler. So mm. there's Spy. That is cool. Nice to see you again. You too. Thank you. And then we have the birthday boy, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Mezagog says happy birthday. And he's never said that <laughs> So. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my goodness! And where are you guys? You're in New York. She's I'm in New York. York. Yeah. Okay. Where's... And Jeremy is in somewhere. Michigan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> somewhere. Michigan. Yeah. I see your little uh, Mezogog a cartoon there. It's quite. Uh, cool. They they were giving me grief. They were like, really, really. I think it's I think it's kind of cute. You know, I. Thank you. It's not, you know, no, I think it's good. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, I might make it, you know, my new Skype thing, you know, instead of my other picture. See, you guys? <clears throat> I think it's kind of... They were, why were you giving him a hard time? You thought it wasn't scary enough? He's a brown noser. That's how advance in life. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That is. That's how you get somewhere, exactly. <laughs> Like, out of all the three of us, he's going to remember me. Such a brown noser. Yeah, no. yeah actually, uh, Anton Mercer appreciates that, but Mezogog does not appreciate oh, that. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a split yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. He, needs a, he needs a tiny little <clears throat> in his hand. Yeah, Mezogog thinks that's bullshit. Like you. But I like it myself, you know. Latham likes it. So. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, I'm just curious. What what made you return back to um to Ranger Board? Um, that's a good question. What what was it? Oh, I know what it was. Uh, the other day on TV, there was a newer uh, Power Rangers on. I don't know which one it was, uh, but I believe it's a newer one. And I sort of um. If it is on, just because of the New Zealand connection, I tend to watch some to sort of see, you know, who's on it this year, or they're friends of mine from New Zealand who may be on it, that kind of thing. So it was on the other day, um, and uh, it reminded me of the Ranger board, you know, and I had this connection with it, like I wrote, I think, recently uh, um, at the beginning when when, um, when uh, JDF told me about the thing, and then I was on a couple years later, and I just sort of remembered, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what the deal is. I think I was thinking, is it still going, you know, or something. And uh, clicked on, and there it was, and I thought I should write something. So I just remembered and decided to go back on. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy, because now you're here. <laughs> like... Yeah, now I'm here. Yeah, I know. And then that led to a couple of other things, and I did another little uh, 
Uh, I answered some questions for another guy who seemed to have an organized uh, thing of some sort. So, look, you know, I have a I have fond memories of of the show and of the franchise, and so I'm always happy to help. I think it's cool. You know, I I, I remember it fondly. Yes. So, who's this other guy? Who's that competition? I answered some questions. I'm always happy to do that. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. Cause I mean, I mean, a lot of people they stop by and then the and then we never see them again. So I'm glad you stopped by yes. again. Yeah, yes. no, I, I will. I will always stop by. You know, I, I don't know how many years in between, but I always will. And I went to the convention. You know, that was cool. And I think that sort of cemented for me uh, the importance of the show to so many people. And so that's a big thing. You know, I feel that. Right. So. Okay, so we're gonna start. Me, I'm gonna give a countdown, and I'll introduce you. And we didn't already start. You. Oh, that no, not that, really. That was so there was a whole dumb. bunch of good stuff right there. That yeah, was all right. seriously. Yeah, I was like, cut all this that needs out. to be in the show. This is what editing is for. Yeah, okay. All right. Editing Make it flow. Beauty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll come up later. Anyway, um, so, okay, let me give a countdown. All right. Three.